But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 11, it says, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, what we're seeing here in this passage, one of these days, we are going to get a crystal clear glimpse at the reality of the works that we have done, whether they're good or bad. And, and not only are we going to see it but for ourselves, we're going to see it for everybody else too. The day is going to declare it where we're going to, we're going to be judged by God. And I don't understand everything, how it's going to work here. But when that happens, we see that our works are going to be tried. In other words, they're going to be put through the fire. And all this is wood, hay, and stubble. It's all going to burn up. But that which was real, that which really mattered, it's going to endure the fire. It's going to survive the fire. And there's going to be some gold, silver, and precious stones that are going to be left. And so on Judgment Day, we're going to find out what it's really all about. You know, there's a lot of uh, preachers that are out there, you know, well-known preachers from the past that, you know, people have looked up to and thought that they were great and, you know, later found out they were frauds. But, you know, there's others out there that went to the great people thinking they were great. But one of these days, when they stand before God, we're going to find out for sure if they were legit or not because their works are going to be tried by fire. And that's going to be an interesting day when that happens. That's going to be a very interesting day. And some of us, even who are saved, I believe we might be surprised by what we see. You know, because our heart's so deceitful, we convince ourselves we're great Christians all the time and doing wonderful things. But when God puts our works through the fire, what's going to be left? And, you know, it's kind of a scary thought when you stop and think about it. It really is. And the truth is, fire, you know, it does. It, it gets rid of. That dross. It gets rid of that which is worthless and nothing, leaving only the gold and silver. It's, it's a way of purging things. That's what they do with gold. Okay? They put it through the furnace. They put it through the fire, and it removes the impurities. It removes the imperfections, making the gold that much more precious and that much more pure when it's done. Well, in life, we see the same kind of thing. When we go through fire, fiery trials, those things often clean us up. Those things, while difficult, they help us get rid of some bad things in our life. And I want to say right now, there's no doubt, and I'm not talking, my message today is not so much about our church, but really churches in general. What I want to preach about is the coming purge of churches. And when I say coming, it's really already upon us. But I really believe that what we are about to get a very, uh, a much more real look at what we really are. And I said, again, I'm talking churches in general, but I do believe this applies to our church, and I believe it applies to churches all over. What we're seeing going on in this country, this is a difficult time. This is a fire that we're going through, and it's revealing things. Fires always reveal things. They reveal truth, and sometimes it's truth that we don't want to see. Sometimes it's things that are ugly, and I just want to say that I think as this thing goes on, we can look at it as kind of a good thing because it is, it's going to purify us. But understand, we might not all like what we see. Just like on Judgment Day, where we're going to be disappointed maybe in some people or maybe even disappointed in ourselves, 
This fire that we're going through, it, I'm just going to warn everybody right now, it might reveal some things that none of us wanted to know. Because if you're like me, I'm a very optimistic person. Right? I just want to think the best. I want to think everything's going to be sunshine and roses. You know, that, that's, that's who I am. And I don't always like when I'm just, you know, slammed in the face with reality and the real picture of things. You know, let me have my fantasy. All right? People were saying before all this went down, we didn't really have our freedom in America. Yeah, but I thought I did, and I was in blissful ignorance, all right? I want to go back to my blissful ignorance. You know, they're saying we didn't really have it. That's just how I am. But, you know, one of the things that I've noticed listening to many different pastors, and I'm not even talking about just pastors we fellowship with. I'm talking about all across the spectrum, listening to preachers talk about what's going on, and especially in the IFB world, one of the things that everyone's worried about is if their churches are going to be the, ever be the same. When things get opened back up, whenever that is, pastors are very concerned about what they are going to come back to in their churches. Because, you know, these guys, they're smart. They've been pastoring for a long time. They, they, they know what they're doing. And pastors are often the biggest in the world at living in blissful ignorance. Because, folks, I, I've been in the ministry my whole life. You know, I, even as a child, I was, I was a preacher's kid. You know, and I, I, I watch these things. And often when you're in a church, I'm just going to be real honest with you, you know, you often wonder, you know, who does really believe what we teach here? You know, how many people are just here? Because this is where the fun's at. This is where the action is, you know. <laughs> Who's all, you know, how many people are coming here because they like the music or they like the friendships? You know, how many are actually here for the doctrine? How many actually believe what's coming from the pulpit? You often wonder that as a pastor. And sometimes you get a real dose of reality and something comes up. There's like some kind of dispute, some kind of fight going on in the church. And you find out, man, nobody believed what I was saying. You know, you all sit there, amening. You're making me think you're getting it. You know, that's a terrible thing to do to a pastor. And, you know, and they hate it when they get slapped upside the head. And all of a sudden they're just like, man, my church is full of a bunch of heathens and just, you know, carnal people. They don't, no, no pastor likes that, but it's happened. It's happened before. And you do, y'all, as a pastor, I often wonder, are people really getting what I'm saying? You know, do they really mean this? I understand, you know, I've, anybody can succeed in teaching everyone how to repeat back the facts that they want them to hear, but who's actually getting this? Who's internalizing this? Who has this in their heart? Because I can't make that happen. You know, that's between you and God right there. I can't make that happen. And so, you know, pastors often fear the fires because it will reveal the truth. Most pastors today, in fact, in this current situation, one of the reasons many pastors in Illinois are concerned about opening up their churches is they are terrified of being looked, you know, looking bad in the community. They are terrified of a negative news article being put about them in the newspaper or worse yet, them being on television. They're terrified of that very thing. And the reason for that is because these pastors aren't stupid. They know their people. They know that if a newspaper wrote a nasty article about them in the newspaper, that they'd probably lose half their congregation. They, now, they're not going to admit that, but they know that deep down inside. They know that, hey, if a fire gets started in our church, it's going to burn away a lot of stuff that we kind of like having there. You know, even though this stuff probably needs to be purged from the church, these people give a lot of money. These people help keep our pews full. 
These people being there help give the illusion that we are a thriving church doing something for the Lord. And so the last thing they want is a fire coming through and cleaning a house. That's the last thing they want. And many pastors right now are afraid that that's what's going to happen. They want, and that's why, too, they want to open their doors as fast as they can because, you know, the longer this goes, the greater the heat, you know, the greater the problem, and we're going to, there's going to be trouble. And so they, they feel, many pastors feel like their folks are probably getting very backslidden, which is a legitimate concern because you always have folks in your church that are struggling even when things are good. And any church that's doing anything for the Lord, you've got people from at all different stages of Christian growth. So there's always people that are kind of struggling, having a hard time. So when you go through something like this, if they're not able to go to church for weeks and even months, I mean, that's bad. Folks, that's detrimental to the health of everyone spiritually. And I just want to say again, you know, as a pastor, I'm not so narcissistic. I am not so full of myself is to think that because I'm the pastor of this church and I know a few things about the Bible that I just know about every subject. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all, folks, don't worry. I've done the research. you got nothing to worry about with this virus, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dumb enough to do that, okay? I, I, I do not give medical advice. You know the only medical advice I ever give anybody? Go see a doctor. That's the only medical advice I give anybody. Because I'm not a doctor. I don't know about these things. And so, again, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody, don't listen to doctors, don't listen to science on these things. If you're high risk, don't worry, you'll be fine. Again, I, I don't fault anybody that's staying home, sheltering in place during this time. Just because I'm against the government forcing it on everybody, just because I'm against the government telling churches what to do, that does not mean I don't think there's no danger out there or that some people should take precautions. Okay, now that's what everybody wants to put on me. Because I'm against the government overstepping, that I am just, I think the virus doesn't exist. Straw man argument. Okay? And I, I have not been down on anyone who has chosen to take precautions. I mean, according to the advice I always give, listen to the doctors about medical things over myself, I would do that. But, you know, the doctors are telling me that, you know, it's very highly unlikely, and the numbers are telling me that I am very, it's very highly unlikely that I will be hurt. By this, so you know, I don't want to shelter in place. I don't want to do that, and I don't. I don't think I should have to. But it doesn't mean I'm against other people doing it. So just understand that, and don't be down on people because you don't know either. Okay, nobody in here is doctors. Okay, and I don't care how well you know the reprobate doctrine and how well you know eschatology. That doesn't mean you've got the medical stuff all figured out. So just shut up about that, and just do your thing. So I, I, I wanted to make sure everybody gets that right there and they understand that. So, but there is, no matter what, let's just say everything is as they say and we are in great danger and should be sheltering in place. That doesn't mean if we go weeks and months without church, it's, might, it's, it's not going to have a negative impact on many people. Now, should we as Christians be capable of going weeks and months without church if that's necessary and still have a walk with God. Absolutely we should. I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm saying you should be able to do that. You ought to be able to go a year without going to church. And then just get right back in it. When, as soon as you're able. Okay? I like to think that if I went to prison for a year. 
and I wasn't able to go to church and things like that, I'd like to think that when I get out of prison, I'd get right back in church, and I think I would. But at the same time, would would it not hurt all of us to not no longer have the assembling and all these things? These are very important things spiritually for us. Let's not act like we're all Superman and we can just handle it. Okay? If it comes, if we've got to deal with it, we're going to deal with it. But at the same time, you know, like I said, I don't think people are, that are taking precautions, they're forsaking the assembly. I don't think that. And I've never said that. But at the same time, you know, we don't forsake the assembling because of the fact we know it would hurt us spiritually. Okay? So even if we have to, I just say all that to say, pastors have a reason to be concerned that if their people are not in church for weeks or months, that they might not come back. When the doors open, and I do believe, I know that's a fear in many places. I'm not too worried about it here, but I do think it's a, a fear in many places. And so, uh, look what it says in Matthew chapter three, in verse eleven and twelve. <clears throat> it says, "I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor." And gather his wheat into the garner, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. There is no doubt that there's a day coming. We know that when God is going to really purge things, when he's going to clean it out for good. And that doesn't, now I don't believe we are in that time right now, but it doesn't mean God's not going to let us go through some fires now to clean all of us up a little bit. And the truth is, too, again, when this thing's all done, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when everything's open back up and everybody's able to come back. What's it going to look like? Is it going to change things in our church? If it has, you know what that tells me? It tells us things weren't as they appeared before. You know, there was some dross. But at the same time, I do believe what we come back to will be better than ever. You all understand that? You know, and, and, and many will. Many will. When it's able to, they're the real deal. They'll be back. You know, they'll be back, you know, and I mean, I've been, I've been keeping in contact with a lot of our older folks, and they're, they're anxious to come back. I almost have to tell them not to, you know, because I, you know, they are high risk, and I, you know, I, I don't want to get, I don't want them getting sick. You know, I don't want to lose these people before the time, because, you know, I was just being careless and acting like a Pentecostal snake handler or something like that. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. You know, it, it would, it would be sad to see that happen with them, and it wouldn't. Our church would get hammered like crazy if that ever happened. They're just waiting for something like that to happen. In a church like ours, so obviously we don't want people taking risks. But I do. I believe. Mo- I believe the people in our church are going to be back, but maybe not. And if that's the case, that tells us something. I believe the tribulation is going to be a time of purging the church. I believe if you're fake during that time, you're going to show yourself. It's going to be revealed when the tribulation comes. It's going to get rid of that which does not belong in the church. You know, and here's something to think about, too. If the pre-tribbers are right in their eschatology, when the rapture comes, the Lord is going to rapture the sorriest bride of the church age. Because aren't they the ones that teach we're in the lukewarm lay to see in period? And the lukewarm lay to see in church, that's right before Revelation 4.1, come up hither. Isn't that what they teach? So according to their own eschatology, I mean, when we are at our just most pathetic stage, God is going to rapture his bride, a God who loves holiness, a God who has commanded us as a church to purge out the leaven, a God who wants us being clean and has called us to holiness, is going to rapture his bride when she's in her most sorry state, according to the pre-tribbers. But according to the post-tribbers, if we're right, 
He's going to rapture probably the purest bride that there has been. He's going to rapture her after she's been through the greatest fire in church history. And that's what we believe is going to happen. And I believe that God wants to rapture a pure bride. We see in Ephesians 5.25, he says, Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now understand, even if the pre-tribbers are right, and the church goes up in its most most pathetic stage, the blood of Christ is ultimately what cleanses us and will make us good. But do we not see constant calls for us as sanctified believers to sanctify ourselves also? Isn't that what God wants? You think God meant that? You think God was serious about that? Do you think God wants us when he returns to be successful? Isn't he cheering on for our success? But what cleans out a church, what cleans out people of God more than persecution? And tribulation. That's always done the most. And so, you know, that's just more reason I do believe that the rapture is going to come after the great tribulation. So, you know, Jesus too, he's about quality, not quantity. You know, we like, we like quantity. We like numbers. We like a full house. We like all that stuff. But the quality is what's really important. And it's the hard times like these that we reveal what we really are. And what we really have, and as a pastor, it said, I'm always wondering, you know, you're always wondering, you know, who's the real thing? Who's in this thing for the long haul? Who's the real deal? You know, who actually believes the doctrine of this church? Who is in this church for the right reasons? You know, are we actually a strong church? You know, you wonder those things, and it's the fires, it's the times like these that reveal what we really are. And so what are some of these things that God uses to purge a true church and to reveal the truth about what we are? We'll turn over to Exodus chapter 32. We'll look at just a few things this morning real quickly. But one thing that God uses to purge a church and to purge a people to reveal the truth is he uses times of waiting and the unknown to develop our patience. And go to Exodus chapter 32. You're all familiar with this story, but Moses, he went up into the mountain. He was gone for several days. And all of a sudden, the people, they got antsy. They didn't know what was going on. They're in kind of a new situation. They've been in Egypt for 400 years, and now they've been led through the Red Sea. They had some real high moments. They had some good moments. you know. But now, here they are. They find themselves just kind of sitting, doing nothing, and their leader is gone. And it says in verse 1, and the, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the same man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears, and of your wives, and of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And you know what happened in the story. They made that golden calf. I mean, they're having basically this pagan worship service there. And that's what Moses comes down to. Moses hears that noise, that music, that dancing, and Joshua thinks it's war that's in the camp. But, you know, Moses, when he came down from that mountain, and all of a sudden he got a real look at the hearts of the people that he led out of Egypt. And it was not a pretty picture. And you know what I think a lot of pastors are worried about right now? They're like, you know what, people have been out of church for a long time. You know, not everybody has the Internet and are able to listen to the preaching online. 
you know, what's going to happen? You know, when after many days and after many weeks and even months, what's going to happen when we come back together? You know what they're afraid of? They're, gonna, they're afraid they're going to see what Moses saw when he came down off the mountain. That's what they're afraid of. You know what they're afraid they're going to see when their church opens back up? They're afraid they're not going to see hardly any people. That's what they're afraid of. That's, that's what they're fearing. I mean, I've seen pastors too. You know, they're, they're really worried. They're getting on board with the online church, but they're warning. I, I, I saw one preacher. He's like, he's telling everybody, only listen to preachers that have preached behind this pulpit. If you listen online. Because if you listen, start listening to other people, you're going to wind up becoming post-trib or something like that. And I don't know why he's worried about that, but, but I, I thought that was, that was pretty funny. And it's like, hey, bud, if you've actually educated your people, if you've actually opened the Bible and pr- shown them how to you know, think and how to prove you know, things through the scriptures, then we shouldn't be a problem for your people. I'm not worried about the people in my church listening to a preacher ever. In fact, I kind of like when they do because it makes me look smart. So you all go ahead, listen to these other people, listen to the pre-trivers, and I do. I, you'll be like, man, we've got a good pastor. Thank the Lord for our pastor. That's what people from our church think when they listen to pre-trivers. But the pre-trib churches don't listen to them post-trivers. Uh, I, I find that interesting. But look at what it says in James chapter one and verse two. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this is the trying of your faith, worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Hey, patience is something that's so important, and I don't even have time to get into it, but you know, study patience and the tribulation and patience, and then look up all the references to patience in the book of Revelation. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the testimony for Lord Jesus Christ. Patience is what we all need to learn so we can handle the tribulation, so we can handle the persecution. And it's times like these where we're just kind of in a situation where you're, you're kind of in limbo. You know, we're in a situation where we're, we're in new territory, we're seeing things we've never seen before, and we're trying to navigate through the uncharted waters, as we've been saying. And, you know, it's times like these that teach us some patience. And folks, I'm, I'm a little worried, I'm a little concerned about just some of the super weird teaching I've been hearing during this time, some of the messed up things people are doing with the scriptures to try to prove their points and their positions. And I'm thinking, are you serious? You're really going to use the Bible that way? That's really how you're going to interpret the scripture right now? What's going on? You know, are these people unsaved? Are they heretics? No, but you know what they are revealing? They're revealing their hearts. They're revealing that they don't know the scriptures real well. They're revealing that they have selfish motives and attitudes. And it's time, and it's because it's the times like this, when you're going through those new waters that reveal the truth because people don't know how to just repeat back facts of what they're supposed to do. Because again, anybody can walk into this church and convince us that they're a hardcore new eye of beer because they know all the items on a list that you're supposed to have. And they can repeat all those things. They can quote it back. They, know, they can say Romans 1 backwards. <laughs> they know, they know how, they, they, they've got all that down. But now, here we are in a new situation and people are losing their minds right now because they're seeing so many different pastors doing so many different things. And so it's like, I don't know how to, re- I don't know how to repeat back these facts. 
And so what are they doing? They're seeing me do something that they've never seen another pastor. You know, what other new IV pastor have you seen go to a protest? All right. Now, folks, let me just say, I am not becoming like a political activist or anything like that. I went there for fun, and that is exactly what I had. And I fully intend, if I get another chance to do another one, but I am not even, you know, I've seen pastors go to things like that, and they'll come back, folks. You got to, you, you need to get involved in these things. You know, we got to get the right kind of politicians in. You need to go to these protests, and you know, carry, I'm not going to tell you all to do that. I went for fun. I would recommend going to a protest. Like I'd recommend going to Six Flags. Right? It's, you know, it's an awesome, there's some awesome rides, and you'll see a lot of freaks. Okay, and you know, that, that, that's all I feel about it. And, 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 you, and then, you know, and, I've, and some of these people are on Facebook. Oh, I, don't, I don't know my, I, can pic, I can't picture my Lord and Savior going to a protest. No, here's what's wrong with you, punk. <laughs> You've never seen a new IFB or do that before. And so that doesn't compute with you. And that's how it is with all these people. You know, Pastor Tommy, you know, why are you doing You know what I do? What I feel led to do. And it's not always what other people... I, I, I forgot to go to New IFB headquarters and get permission. I forgot to go to the, our, my fellow New IFB pastors and say, hey, what, what position am I supposed to take through this whole thing? You know, what, what are we all going to do? Because I don't know what to do. You know, Pastor Anson, will you please tell me what to do? Because I can't figure out what to do. Now, now some people... They do. They, and there's nothing wrong with following examples and following other people's leads, you know, if you just don't know what to do. But here's what blows my mind is all these morons out there who will condemn others based on the actions of the pastors that they're following. That's just stupid. It, and you know what these people are doing? They're revealing that they don't have anything going on the inside. They're revealing that they're fake and that they can't think for themselves. And it's, it's these times of the unknown where you just got to have some patience. Sometimes you do just kind of have to sit and you got to be still and you got to wait on the Lord and just, you know. But at the same time, if that's what you're choosing to do, if like, for example, too, you know, if a pastor right now doesn't really know what's going on, he's like, you know what, I choose to just kind of take a knee in this situation and wait this thing out because I really don't know what to do. I don't have a problem with that. You know, if you don't know what to do, sometimes just don't do anything, don't change anything. But you know what? Those who do feel like they know what they need to do and are doing something, leave them alone. Leave them alone. And you know what? Some people are going to lose their minds that, you know, I'm interviewing pastors from other religions and other denominations and encouraging them for the positions and stands that they're taking. But you know what? Get over it. They're doing a good thing that's actually helping us. There's actually, there's going to be churches today. There's churches today in Illinois meeting, you know, with, you know, 10 people or less or drive-in services because a pastor of a non-denominational church, you know, went and took a stand. That's why. Not because of the fundamental Baptist, because of the non-denominational. Now, the fundamental Baptists are about to take a big stand in a couple weeks. You know, we're always a little bit later, late to the ball game, you know, late to the action. We let the Jehovah's Witnesses get to the countries that get opened up before we do, and the Mormons get there before we do, you know. But we get there eventually, after they do all the hard work. 
But you know, am I gonna, am I gonna, if, if, if the Mormons succeed in getting a country to open up the doors to allow evangelism to go on there, am I gonna go trash the Mormons for doing that? Hey, they, that's a good thing. Now we're gonna come in after them and we're gonna try to undo, you know, the spiritual damage that they're doing. But I'm not, I'm not gonna bash that thing. It, it's just amazing how people just don't know how to think through these things. They have no principle. They have nothing governing their lives. And it's, and it's because they are in unknown territory. And again, if you are just kind of in a situation, I don't really know what's right. You don't have, you don't have to do anything. Okay. You don't have to do anything, but you know what? This would be a good time to not run your mouth and just watch and observe and learn and watch the mistakes I make, watch the mistakes other pastors make and learn. It's okay for you to do that. Nothing wrong with that. And it's okay if you th are thinking, like, you know, man, that's not, I don't think you'll be doing this. And then later you find out you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you didn't know. And it, or if you find out, hey, I thought he was right, turned out he was wrong. That's life, folks. It, you know, if I get everything right, you all might start worshiping me. You know, if I'm just always just nailing everything and just always got it all figured out and I always end up being right, you might start thinking a little too highly of me. And then the Lord's going to have to make me be wrong for something. Just to humble me. So, you know, you, you, need, you need to understand these things. There's going to be times of spiritual famines, but we ought to be able to get through them. And folks, this is a spiritual famine. This is a spiritual famine. Many churches today are not open. People are not attending church. They're not assembling with the believers. It's not their fault. They're not able to. That's a, spirit, that's a spiritual famine. Just like it's not our fault if we have a famine, you know, with, of crops and things. If we have no rain, it's not our fault. I know the government's going to tell us it is because we're changing the climate. But, folks, it's not our fault. And just like we ought to be tough enough to survive a physical famine, we ought to be tough enough spiritually to survive a spiritual famine. And you know what? Many people will. Those who are the real deal, they're going to get through this thing. When this thing is over, I mean, they're going to be back and they're going to be like nothing ever happened. But some people are going to wither out and they're going to die out in this thing. And that's just the way it is. Uh, it's not what we wanted to happen, but you know, it's it's the way they really were, and this just revealed it. That's all there is to it. And so, you know, the and the, the, to me, this whole pandemic thing, it has revealed just how important the assembly is to me. I've got all these morons online. Why can't you just do live stream? It's not the same. And you all know that it's not the same. Thank God for live stream. It is a it, it's a help, but it's not the same thing. We need we need each other. It's important. So, you know, Christians, they should be able to go weeks, months, or even years without church. They should be able to maintain a walk with God and then get right back in when the opportunity comes, but it might, might not happen either. But they should. And, you know, the truth is, too, you know what? Like, you know, people love talking about pastoral qualifications because everybody knows how to count to two. But you really, you know, probably the uh, one of the most important ones or the main ones, I think, that disqualifies people. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3. Now, this one doesn't get mentioned too much because, you know, it, it's not simple enough where you can just count to two. You know, you actually have to think. You actually have to have observed. Uh, you can't just go on a website and look at the picture of the pastor and his family and count the kids. You know, you know uh, it's, it, it actually requires that somebody has actually observed somebody, which is how it should always be. But don't get me going on that. But First Timothy three three it says, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, 
but patience. Okay? And so we don't have time to go to all the scriptures on it, but what is it that reveals patience? It's tribulation. It's trials. Watch people, how they handle the difficult times. I mean, right now, anybody who has a desire to be a bishop, this is a great opportunity to prove yourself. All right, here we are in a spiritual famine. Here we're going through difficult times. Are you going to be able to handle it? What's going to happen? And we're seeing that quite often where guys are getting put in the ministry, and then what happens? The hard time comes, and then they prove that they're frauds. They prove that they're no good. They prove they're slime balls. And you know what? It's, that's why it's great if we've been able to endure some fires beforehand because then a pastor or somebody who would ordain you can actually, you know, you're actually getting a track record. You can say, you know, this person, they were faithful during a really difficult time. You know, when all these terrible things are going on, I mean, they did the right thing. They were faithful. They were patient. They didn't do anything weird. You know, these are, these are good things. You know, and so this is a great opportunity for many people. But so God uses the times of waiting and the unknown to develop our patience. During times like this, but God also, and, and it's a way too of purging the church because so a lot of people are going to go through those times and they're going to reveal themselves and they're going to be long gone. And there, there are a lot of churches are going to open back up and all of a sudden their crowd is going to be significantly less. And not because people are still sheltering in place because they're done. They're done for. They're, they're not coming back. And it doesn't mean they weren't saved either. Okay, listen, it doesn't mean, listen, not everybody that doesn't come back, it's not because they weren't saved, but you know what, they're, that seed on thorny ground, or stony ground, and they grow up, and the cares of this world, and the deceitful rich, deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word, and they do not bear fruit, okay, the people who end up getting purged out of these churches, it's not because they all weren't saved, but it's because they were going to be fruitless, they were going to be a branch that's not bearing fruit. And therefore, it's not accomplishing anything. And a lot of churches, they are full of branches that just don't bear any fruit. And you know what you do with a tree like that? You purge it. So it's not taking nutrients from good branches and giving it to one that's not going to bear any fruit. That's just the way, that's the way it is, and that's what's going to happen. In tribulation, it does that very thing. That's what it says uh, in Matthew chapter 13. In verse 21, it says, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. So right there you see that tribulation, that persecution, you get offended by it. doesn't mean they weren't saved. But it means they're not going to bear any fruit. It doesn't mean they lost their salvation. It means they're not going to bear any fruit. And the truth is, we do not want a church full of people who aren't going to bear any fruit. They're just going to hold back the rest of us. And, you know, we're not always real good about getting rid of them. So sometimes God comes along and gets rid of them. You know what? I'm going to send some persecution your way. You know, because we need to scare you're not, you're not getting rid of them through the preaching. You know, you're not getting rid of them because you're living holy enough lives. And they're holding you back. You know what? I'm going to get rid of them. And truth is, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to have to skip a lot of this, but I, I need to finish up. But preaching and pr- the practicing of preaching will purge a church. Okay? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. See, it, ultimately it's our job to purge ourselves as individuals and to purge our church. But if we don't do the job, God may just come along and do it himself. 
And that's not usually a good thing. Okay? God wants us to take care of these things ourselves. And that's the, be- that's the best way to do it. But it says in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in this epistle not to company with fornicators. So we see as a church, we are there's people we're supposed to keep out of here. And the truth is, some people are just so rotten, they're so reprobate, you literally have to throw them out. But, folks, I can't imagine living in fornication and going to a church that's preaching against fornication all the time. You know, I wonder about these churches that allow homos to come to the church. It's like, why would they be want to come to your church? What would make them want to come to your church? I don't get that. So we have... we've. You know, to my knowledge, we've only ever had one homo come here. He only made it three weeks. We didn't know he was a homo. All right, we didn't know. We were suspicious. All I had to do is throw one negative remark about homos in a message. It had nothing to do with the message, but I just felt like I needed to throw it in there so he knew. <laughs> we never saw him again. You know, and later I found out, sure enough, he was in fact a full-blown homo. But you know what? We didn't even have to throw him out of here. The preaching got rid of him. The preaching got rid of them. And, you know, if, if a pastor is up there and he's ripping face and he's showing what the Bible has to say in these things, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to convict people and they're either going to get right or they're going to get out. But you know, what is, you know what's as powerful as preaching often is our lives that we live. Because the truth is, you probably would be comfortable being in some deep sin in this church if everybody else was into it too. But, you know, if we're all repulsed by these things, you know, if we're all living godly lives, that's going to convict you. You're, you're not going to feel good about that. But, you know, in a lot of churches, you can have major sins in your life, and you've got plenty of fellowship in the church talking about that sin. And that's not good either. And that's why, you know, you don't, you don't even realize you living clean and pure godly lives, that speaks things, folks. That says things to other people. That preaches all by itself. Hey, that you know we I, and we forget to preach about that because we got the lifestyle evangelist crowd that want to eliminate verbal evangelism because they only want to use that. But understand, you know, it's still good to live a good lifestyle. It's still good to have a good testimony. It does speak things to people. It does preach, and I love preaching just with my family when we go out. And they see that we're conservatively dressed. You know, it, it bothers a lot of people. You know, anytime I've got my family with me and we see queers, they always give us dirty looks. You know, you know why? All we're doing is we're living a Christian life that's obvious. And you know what it does? It preaches to these people. And it aggravates the tar out of them. You know why a lot of people are bent out of shape by us being assembled here today? It's not because they're worried that they're going to get COVID-19. All they, you know, from us, all they have to do is not come in here. But you know what? We're screaming, hey, it, without even saying it. You know, it's screaming, you ought to be doing it too. And, and, and listen, I again, I have been supportive of those who've taken another position. I've not been mean. 
But it's amazing the way people have acted like and talked like I've been a jerk about this whole thing. I mean, you can go look. You can go listen to all my messages and any live stream and things I've done and see if I've been a jerk, see if I've condemned anybody else. And I'm like, where did I say these things? And I'm thinking, it must just be based on our actions. You know, obviously the fact that we're doing what we're doing it is obviously shining a light on some people. And they don't like it. And it's and so they're they're getting angry, even though that's not even what we're trying to do. Like I said, I've, I've said from the beginning, it's different in different places. Some places this outbreak's been a lot worse. We've got a unique situation. We've got a lot of things going for us, like you know, like the law enforcement in our area. We've got a lot of things going for us that makes it possible for us to do this. I'm not even being in your face. I'm not grandstanding. I'm not running my mouth about these things. Yet people are acting like I am. I'm sorry, but something convicting you? Because yes, it's not the words coming out of my mouth. You know, my words have been very much in favor. So, you know, I, I say all that to just say the life we live, it speaks, it preaches. And you know what? If we as a, a people and as a congregation are living holy, pure lives, those who are wicked and evil are not going to be happy here. They are not going to feel good here. They're not going to be comfortable here. And that alone will purge out the leaven. You ever hear all these people talk about all these judgments? You know, I can't speak for everybody, all right? I'm not all present. I've not been in every church. But I've been in a lot of churches. And I've been in church my whole life. Yet, you know how many people I've heard talk about the, those judgmental churches? They were all looking down on me and condemning me because I, you know, I came to church wearing pants. I've never, ever seen a woman or a man or get, get up and just ridicule some woman for how she was dressed in church. Never. You know what they actually mean by that? I felt bad when I saw all the other women dress a certain way. Okay? Nobody said anything. You know, that was their own, that was their own conscience. Yeah, that was their own heart being convicted. I have never been to a church where that has happened. But I have been part of a church where people have said that's happened. It's amazing the things that people have accused me of saying and preaching in our church of doing and practicing that we don't do. Why do they say that? Because our actions are speaking. Our actions are preaching. Every time you, sh- you come to church, and you're, you're dressed up on Sunday. You know, every time you go into a gas station, guys, and you're wearing your tie, you know what? You're preaching to everybody, I'm going to church. And you know what they hear from that? I should probably go to church too. Every time you ladies are out there and you look like ladies, you know what you're doing? You're preaching against cross-dressing. You're preaching against being ladylike. You're, 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 pre- or you're preaching for being ladylike. You're preaching for godliness. That's what you're doing. You know, men and women, your families, when you go out together and you got a man and a woman and you've got well-behaved children sitting in a store, I mean, a bunch of kids all behaving, while you've got the lesbians with their one kid that's like acting like an animal, you know what you're doing? You're preaching that the traditional family is better than that. That's what you're doing. Every time you go out and your kids are behaved, your kids are, and your kids grow up and they're successful, you know what you're preaching? That spanking is better than timeouts. And people can't stand hearing that kind of thing. Your life does preach. It preaches loud, and that preaching, you know, it helps if it's not just the pastor preaching it from the pulpit, but you all are preaching it, not with your mouths, not because you're going around condemning everybody and you're going around and picking on everybody and judging everybody, but because you're just doing it. 
That packs a punch. That is effective. And if people are fake, there's some things you just can't fake. You can't fake being a good parent. You can't. You can't fake having a good marriage. Don't even try. Everybody's going to figure it out. It's going to be revealed. You, you can't, there's some things you can't fake, and you can't fake in a good church. You can't fake being a phony for very long at all. The preaching, it's going gonna, it's gonna to weed you out. It's going to expose you for what you really are. And we need to be doing that. So the thing we've got to understand as a church is that if we don't purge ourselves, then God's going to do it for us. And God usually uses tribulation, chastisement, you know, other difficulties to get it done. I think we should just purge ourselves so we can avoid as much tribulation as possible. I like what Job 23, verse 8 says. Go ahead and turn over to Job chapter 23 and verse 8. I love, I love this passage of Scripture. It says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know, we've got an opportunity right now. We're going through difficult times, and it's probably going to get worse. Even if they end the lockdown, the economic difficulties are going to come. And it's, you know, it's going to get real. That's probably going to happen. But you know, if we're, if we're for real, if we're really you know, the children of God and living righteous life, lives. You know, David said, yeah, I've been young and I'm now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. I think that's probably going to work in our lifetime too. I really do. But the problem is, a lot of us think we're righteous. We think we're all these things. And what's going to be scary is we're going to find out. We're going to find out real soon. So, you know, the time for faking it is passing. And it's, it's passing. The, the fire is coming. We're going to see the real thing. Don't be surprised if we see some big changes around here. I hope we don't. I really hope we don't. But don't be surprised if we do. We might. But understand, you, we are going to see a lot of changes. A lot of churches are going to see a lot of changes. And they know it. And it's scaring these pastors to death. And, you know... But if, we, if, if we're the real thing, we ought to be thankful for it. Because we want to be purified. We want to be made cleaner and better. We, As a church, this is going to be a good thing for us. Anything that comes out of this, whatever battles and difficulties, it, I believe it will make us better because it will remove impurities. And I don't want to lose anybody. I love everybody that's a part of this church. Uh, you know, I do. I, love all, I don't want to lose anybody. I've, I've never had... Uh, well... There's been a couple people I've been like, you know, you know, Lord, <laughs> very rare, very, very rare. I mean, if, if our church had everybody still here that I wanted here, you know, we wouldn't fit. All right? we, we wouldn't fit. Most of the people uh, that have come and gone, I wish they'd come back, you know, but with few exceptions. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I won't be getting away with it. But, but at the same time, we ought to welcome it. Let's be thankful for it. And, you know, and if you're like, oh, I'm not sure where I'm at, you know what? You're about to find out where you're at. And you know what you can do right now? You can start purifying yourself. So, you know what? Maybe I better get serious about this Bible reading thing. Maybe I better get serious about my prayer life. 
Maybe I better get serious about doing the work of the Lord. Maybe I ought to start actually trying to, instead of learning all the facts, so I can go condemn everybody on Facebook, you know, on the, you know about the Bible things. Maybe I ought to just start living it. Maybe I ought to just start doing these things myself. You know, and instead of condemning people for, you know, using something, uh, a reference to a rap music, you know, I ought to take down the videos of me dancing to rap. I just happened with somebody, so, so I was just like, are you serious? You know, watch, watch out condemning people when there's all kinds of evidence out there online of you being phony. Boy, we've seen a bunch of that. that. The fire is revealing things, folks. The fire is revealing things, and just, you know, don't be surprised if one of your idols goes through the fire, too, and you find out that idol was wood, hay, and stubble, and there's nothing left. That may, that may happen. Good reason not to have any idols. It's, probably, it's going to happen to a lot of people. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I pray that we'll take this message to heart. We'll take it serious. And dear God, I pray that you will help us to purge ourselves. Lord, help us not to wait for the difficult times. Help us to do these things in the good times. And I pray you'll uh, just prepare the hearts of your people. And I pray you'll strengthen them. Lord, I pray that you will, uh, as, as soon as possible, Lord, end this uh, this spiritual famine that we're in, and you'll uh, we'll be able to see things open wide, open again. But in the meantime, dear God, I pray that you will uh, just strengthen everyone and help us to be strong through it all. And I pray that we'll come out of this thing better than ever. In your name we pray. Amen.